Okay, well, welcome back to round two of yep. episode 28 mm-hmm. of... This is not... A history? Lecture. Lecture. Yeah, we just recorded like 20 minutes and then realized It was that more like 15. My mic wasn't working. Yeah, uh, that was my fault, but... You know, such is life. We are not professionals. Yeah. We had a few technical difficulties just getting to this point today. So I don't think it was a technical difficulty. It was literally a physical. Oh, we that's true. We checked we out a mic. We didn't physically have a part of a mic that we needed. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to go back to the library. But yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. How's your week been? Uh, my week's been good. I got to go to St. Louis. Ooh. Which is really fun to see my friend Ricky, who is in a play up there. If you're in St. Louis, do recommend. It's a St. Louis Shakespeare beer something something um but they they're doing othello and it's uh through the whole month of august i believe that's one of the good ones and um yeah it was really i i liked it that was the first time i'd ever like seen or read it or anything um favorite will always be hamlet not gonna lie but hamlet really yeah i don't know why i like that one most people hate it well not Uh, most people but some people i don't know if i have a favorite no, I just don't know if I like it's just Shakespeare. not Twelfth Night. Um, I think if I had to pick, it would probably be Midsummer's Night Dream. But that's that's just a good because one because of the aesthetics. Um, but yeah, so if you're up there in that area, I would recommend they are. It's free showings in parks, very accessible to the public, and it's only an hour and a half, and not insufferably long. Love that. Like a lot of Shakespeare's uh, plays are. Which um, for this play, I kind of appreciated because it's literally would be three hours of them driving a man crazy. That's a bit much. Yeah. 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 So I was kind of glad that they cut a lot of it out. Um, mm-hmm. And story is still very much intact. So if you're worried about that, then don't worry about it. But. Yeah, so that was really cool. I got to see St. Louis, and it was my first time in the Midwest anywhere. And I can't speak for the rest of the Midwest because I know not everywhere is um, a major city. But St. Louis was really cool to see. And it was really impressive how much history was, like, preserved there still. Yeah. So, yeah. I've just genuinely never, like, been anywhere. Kat's, like, on her phone right now. No, my mother was texting me again. Uh Sure. My mother. (laughs) <laughs> i believe you cat you don't have to show me <laughs> um but yeah so that's what i've been up to very and nice it's nice to be back it's nice to be back in the place where we currently are the i call this the place where i currently, currently am. am i watched that at work for a few minutes today i'm that's a good choice yeah yeah i uh, i'm glad to be like just kind of hanging out because I have been very fortunate to have gotten to do a lot more traveling than I literally have ever done before mm-hmm. this summer. Yeah, you've gone a lot of places um, this summer. Yeah, it's it's been kind of crazy, but it's been it's been fun. Uh, but I'm excited to just kind of like hang out and chill in one place for a while. Yeah. Um, I also got new tires for my car, so that's fun. Yeah, that w- that needed to happen. Well, did you see how smooth it was? It was smooth. It was smooth, wasn't it's it? Like you took that little the bump between my streets. <laughs> We only flew two feet in the air instead of five. There's this part right at the corner of Cat's apartment, and it like bottom like you it, bottom like a, out. It's like a thunk thunk, and if you have a little sedan, you bottom I out. Know. She was like barreling towards it, and, and it, not barreling. She was going the speed limit, but in yeah. my car, if you go the speed limit, you'll send sparks flying. Literally, and I was like, you can see the, like scrapes on the road. The from asphalt people. is like dented yeah. from people like losing their mufflers and shit. Like it's awful. Yeah. I was like white knuckling. I was like holding. And Ken's like, here we go. We're gonna do it. And I was like, Haha, not in my car. <laughs> she takes yeah. yeah. Hey, it's a Subaru. I got sports X Games mode. X ah, mode. Yes, yes, mode. <laughs> yeah. 
So we don't have to worry about that in my car. No. I probably should have taken it a little slower. I did forget that that was there. Yeah. But but yeah. she lived. So yeah, we all survived. Yeah. Um, well, Kat has been having a very fun time, too, because she completed I finished my big project. Very yeah. exciting. I don't go places. I'm lame and lazy, I guess. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I spend my nights sewing, and I finished a dress of mine that I've been working on for a long time a very long time yes she has and it's very exciting it's done I'm that's so, so cool yeah it looks so good y'all oh thank it's you, like a full really. ball gown yeah it it's it is a full ball gown and i made the straps detachable like an old swimsuit used to yeah. they used to do that on like every swimsuit and they even uh-huh. did on some bras for a while because i have a couple that still do it but like mm-hmm. i found the little hardware to do that on my own so i like bought them online this little kit and i like made it so i could change the sleeves out and i have a couple more of the sleeve combinations to make but like for the most part it's the hard part all the yeah all the big stuff yeah. is done so i'm excited <gasps> yeah yeah cruise on over to cat's tiktok if you want to see yeah it's it the like. um it's at the low key catastrophe. Catastrophe is spelled with a K because my name is Cat. Yep. And that's Cat. Yeah. So I'm very so, yeah. proud of you for doing that. Thank you. Big yeah. project done. Yeah. Um, speaking of plugging things shamelessly, if you are not following us on Twitter, please. Oh yeah. Please do that for us. Follow us at, at T I N A H L podcast. And if you have, you know, burning deep thoughts about things please send us an email Yeah, at thisisnotahistorylectoregmail.com. Mm-hmm. And while we are here plugging things, um, please, 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 if you were able to, if you're willing to, rate us on Apple Podcasts. That is the number one way that the podcast algorithm gods mm-hmm. shine favor down upon new podcasts is yes. if they have good reviews and yes. um, a few of them. So that's the number one way to help us out. And if you like us and what we do we would really appreciate it yes but yeah yeah other than that i mean we talked a little bit more before this but um i don't feel like repeating all the stuff I yeah said. honestly me neither we yeah. got the, y'all got the highlights y'all got the highlights you got the good stuff yeah ricky did wipe out on a scooter you did promise her I, you'd say that oh, shit okay yeah well you know the little electric scooters that were in our the in little like birds cities. yeah like yeah. the lime scooters um I had never ridden one of those before, but me and my friend Ricky decided that we were going to do that because why the heck not? And oh my gosh, so much fun. Definitely worth it, but definitely not worth it if you're in a very busy, like, like foot pedestrian traffic traffic, um, environment because then you're just like fighting all that. But if you have like open road, would recommend. Um, And we were in Forest Park in St. Louis and going down Art Hill, which I've been told if you're from St. Louis, you know exactly what that is. we were going 17 miles an hour and my friend Ricky just like wipes out. Oof. She's fine. She just got a little scrape on her knee, nothing more, but it was a very dramatic fall. And I promised her that I would talk about it on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. I felt like you, I needed to make sure you yeah. followed through on that. Impressively, I did not fall. Not once. I'm very so proud of you. I'm pretty proud of myself on that too. I am proud. it was a lot of fun. Very nice. See everything. But yeah, next time we record, I promise I won't be doing anything as exciting. But yeah. we'll both have started school by then, mm-hmm. so we'll have a lot to talk about about that. And for all you people starting school, we said it last week, but if you've got a history professor slash teacher slash coach or anyone who you're just feeling isn't doing the job quite right and you want to know more about a topic, hit us up, tweet at us, Gmail mm-hmm. us. I don't know if that's a term, but Gmail <laughs> us. and Email us probably yeah, is the correct that's thing That's the word. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know and we'll, because we know what we like to talk about and the, the weird random stuff, but if uh-huh. there's something y'all want to hear, let yeah, us know. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've taken like 
world history or U.S. history. So let us know what yeah. you're confused about. And we would love, be honored to do that for y'all. Yeah, we'd love that. But love to actually, like, knowingly, like, help someone. Not just, yeah, like, no, provide entertainment, but help someone. Yeah, so. like, that would be actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Hit us up. Yeah, well, that's a good segue because today Kat has a story for us that is most commonly mistaught. Missed, mistaught. Well, I say mistaught because it was mistaught to me. But I have yeah. to be fair here and say that we talk about historiography here. The history of the history yes. of this topic is very weird. Mm-hmm. And when I went to school, I was literally told that the Roanoke colony disappeared without a trace and they just found the word Croatoan carved on a tree and that no one knew what that meant or what happened. Yeah. Which is not true necessarily. Mm-hmm. People have always had a very good feeling for what had happened. Um, I'm curious, Kaylee, what did you get taught yeah. in school? Um, I mean, basically the same thing. I was taught that there was this colony and they stopped hearing from them. So they sent someone to go look for them and they couldn't find them. And there was a mysterious word, Croatoan, carved into a tree. Mm-hmm. But unlike Kat, I was also taught that there was a native group in the area called the Croatoan people. Mm-hmm. And that the, most likely... They either just assimilated and kind of lived with that native group Mm -hmm. or the natives killed all of the people in the colony and like left that as like a calling card. Yeah. We just killed everyone. When he leaves the pee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I had a a little bit more of a explanation than they offered cat, but it was, it was very clear of like, you don't really know. It's a mystery. And it's that interesting kind of how fast some of these historic interpretations change on a dime. Uh-huh. Because when I was looking at most recent research, a lot of it is dated back to like 2013, 2018. Some of this is recent stuff. Yeah. And same for like the first... Our next emergency episode. I think it hasn't come out yet. So whenever the Franklin Expedition is what I'm talking about on my next emergency episode, if y'all hear it, Hopefully you won't hear it for a while, but a lot of that research is actually very recent and it got put on hold in some ways because of COVID. Like Uh, they were in the middle of it. So it's weird to think that in the time, because I don't think I've been in school that long. And then I realized that we're starting our master's. We're going on six years in this town. And so, which is crazy, but add four years to that. And I would have barely been in eighth grade, middle school, eighth grade going into high school. So like in that time, the entire concept of this has changed for some people. Yeah. So it's crazy to like know that history is changing around you or understandings. Of yeah, it, no, at least. For sure. But yeah, um, sometimes this gets taught as or known as America's lost colony. And I think just what makes it so hard to teach and, you know, teach the same way as a curriculum is that there isn't a set of concrete answers. There is evidence to back up multiple ideas. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it depends, are you using evidence to prove what you're thinking or are you using it to disprove others, which is the scientific, mm-hmm. it's the scientific method versus like guesswork. So yeah, yeah. it's very interesting. But we're going to take it back now, y'all, all the way to 1584. Queen Elizabeth I gives Sir Walter Raleigh a royal charter to start up a colony. Uh, I guess we're going to talk like this when I talk about <laughs> the English. That was... Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, you should definitely do that. No, we should not. <laughs> so there's actually this whole thing about like a brother getting the permission to do it, and Sir Walter Raleigh getting like the other one dying, and he had to split it with his stepbrother. All this like weird stuff. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, when you pass the legal parts of it, Sir Walter Raleigh got this permission to start a colony in North America. And there's a lot of motivations here. 
the queen has split the charter between them one of them heads to what i think is now newfoundland like north north america up near canada Mm -hmm. and raleigh gets the southern part but part of the motivation here is that spain already has some of these areas and if y'all know about this time period spain like think of space race but like for land that they could colonize yeah do you think that's a fair comparison oh absolutely well no no no. i've told you my theory right that we're just gonna do to mars what um england did to america elaborate i'm interested like we're oh, gonna the- have like another like it's gonna play out almost exactly how the american revolution did but except uh that instead as we colonize of- mars we'll literally colonize mm-hmm. it between ethnic and regional groups or no, no 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 like the americans are gonna colonize mars oh they're gonna mistreat the people on mars and like screw them over like the english did to americans oh and then it's gonna be and like, then it's gonna be like the american <gasps> revolution that but i've had that theory. planets yeah so it would be like a star I, wars intergalactic yeah, revolutionary I've, war i'm not even kidding when i've had that theory for years like i that's what's gonna happen i like, guess if there's going to be a revolutionary war between the planets i kind of do want to be around long enough to see that but who knows mother yeah. nature is fighting back I mean, with us granted, right now it's not going to be like the american government it'll be like american capitalists on mars true but it's i think it's i've always had the thought of it's going to be a very similar so it would be scenario like overthrowing not just the monarchy but like an oligarchy yeah. no because that's religious but like overthrowing like leaders of capitalism. leaders of power yeah like centers of power wow had, it's gonna play out and it's gonna be hilarious because the whole thing history repeats itself it's gonna be the same thing it's just gonna be between man i i guarantee well i would need, bet money on that they're gonna need mars sooner rather than later because the earth is like on fire and simultaneously having earthquakes and tsunamis and now new york has just de- declared did you see this that new york declared mm-hmm. a state of emergency this morning because the hurricanes headed towards yep. them yeah hang in there everyone we're doing great and <laughs> we're gonna be all right please recycle yeah well on, but well there's the truth behind the fact that every person could recycle and it still won't have an yeah. impact as much as regulating big business and their pollution so do what you can to do help but can. also legislate lobby your legislators yeah convince them stuff. you know voting is what we can do yeah unfortunately so anyway anyway so with all those stipulations raleigh in the south and all that um he's still given this permission on march 25th 1584 but there's like a caveat. He has to set up a stable colony by night uh, by 1951. No, I think <laughs> I meant to write 1591. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Um, yep. that dyscalculia. Hey, we've had we've had that conversation before, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I literally can't look at sequences of numbers. Um, so he's got a he's got a like a little bit of pressure on him to get this done. He's working with a deadline, mm-hmm. um, and they wanted to rival other global powers that are colonizing the area. They want a strong enough foothold. It's that whole guns, gold, glory, God, blah, 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 all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Jared, Jared Diamond. Is that his name? Jared Diamond? I don't know. I just was taught gold, glory, and God. That's, that's and it, Jared it Diamond. Was ju- it was germs, guns, and steel. That's Jared that, Diamond. Okay. Well, he's like, yeah, he's the guy that like wrote the books on gold, the, the two, gold, three Gs, God, glory. The six, six Gs. Oh. Yeah, he's like very famous. Guns, germs, and steel. I did then, read. Okay, that's where I must have heard the term. Yeah. And then there's the other one. Gold, the, God, and Glory. Gold, God, and Glory. Yeah, Never read that one, but that's just what was taught to me in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of motivations for the English trying to snatch up this land. And, I mean, there's religious reasons. There's... It's not quite manifest destiny, but there is this, like, holier than thou, you know, like, oh, yeah. we're helping the indigenous populations. We're bringing God to the, like, yeah, whatever. Bullshit. Yeah. Um, 
So they even start to realize that not just can they get to this land before the Spanish, but if they can get a strong enough foothold in these areas, the Spanish ships bringing precious metals and stuff back from the southern americas Mm -hmm. they can raid them and basically pirate them Mm -hmm. and like steal the stuff that the spanish have been stealing from the natives so it's really just like a reverse uno card they've been playing on them shabam so he sends out first an exploratory expedition on april 27th 1584 it's a pretty standard trip to get there or as standard as it gets when you're traveling like risky routes without Mm -hmm. great technology um it probably wasn't it's hard to define what is and isn't spanish land already what they haven't like labeled as there and of course you have different indigenous groups that are have been here for incredibly long times already um and it's very possible that the Spaniards had already had contact with the indigenous groups mm-hmm. and that indigenous groups had formed opinions of these white settlers based on people Makes who sense. were already there. So when this expedition comes back in 1584, two of the leaders are like, hey, the indigenous populations are actually pretty nice. And it says in one of the, a couple of the accounts I was looking at that they brought two of the indigenous people back with them from Croatoan Island. Hmm. Which is basically what John Smith did to Pocahontas, and it ended up with her getting a disease and dying, I believe. Um, I need to look more into the history of Pocahontas, like the real history. Um, I'll do an episode on that. I was going to say, episode idea. Yeah. Um, And it helps that all these people are like, wow, this land is really great. It's really productive. This is like the Garden of Eden, all this stuff. And it is when you know how... Mm -hmm. to farm the land like the indigenous groups did Uh, but with everyone talking about it and this great discovery the queen of course is super hyped she's like ah yeah we found land the spaniards haven't already like completely colonized mm -hmm. it we're just we're gonna claim it yeah um she gives them the green light and they start looking for investors that can really start funding this colony raleigh seems pretty focused on this military aspect of at first it wasn't intended originally to be a like a colony as we kind of think of like oh we have women and children originally it was supposed to be a military power to raid raid the spanish ships and build a fort kind of like a little base yeah kind of and then they could grow out from there because once you have Uh protective stuff you can bring women and children and stuff to settle Uh a real colony he plans for a few hundred men to cross the ocean first on the ship and then leave about maybe like half or so behind in the colony and take the rest to go back to england later bring back more supplies and then another wave would come and they just keep bringing people over in waves and the first part of these this colony was governed by ralph lane in 1585 he's given the governorship and it was a whole uh what is it called uh when you have a group of ships um not a suite uh um fleet a fleet i don't know why that word just slipped my brain Uh, i didn't know it either yeah there were seven different ships of varying sizes um which surprised me. I kind of thought it was like one ship, but then I don't know. I, it makes more what? sense to travel well, in a fleet yeah, no, it, because makes sense to me. protection, you have more space to carry stuff. Yeah. Um, and there is a pretty nasty storm that comes through though. And they get separated, but they had this rendezvous set up. So they were supposed to meet up off the Bay of, of the coast of Puerto Rico. And they managed to find all their ships with each other. Again, the one that got separated, got there first. So I'm sure for a while they were like, um, Anyone else coming? Anyone else alive? You all good? But yeah, 
they kind of this one ship that gets there first gets the chance to start setting up a little bit settling in best they could um and eventually they kind of start trickling up to this final location the rendezvous point but at one point another one of the ships had concerns with the, the clashes with the spanish they had crossed some of the spanish ships that the commander they, they commandeer them and the command takes charge of all of them so they've gained more ships now which requires mm-hmm. more manpower especially for these bigger ships um and there's back and forth interaction with other spanish in the area and then one of the ships hits a shoal and it destroys all the food food provisions on board and they're worried that the colony won't support as many people if they've lost all this food this is a mess it's a hot mess (laughs) a very hot mess and i'm assuming actually physically hot because yeah it's virginia it's the south um yeah. yeah so they leave about 100 people behind with governor lane and um they make plans to go back to england and just come back with more people help beef up the population a little bit have some Mm -hmm. people that can work as well as defend all that jazz and so once the people on the ground have been not abandoned but they're they're not doing well their ship with supplies is gone so they're like okay um we need help and who's gonna help yeah the indigenous population because they're the only ones that really know what they're doing yeah and uh, this is where it goes downhill on multiple fronts <laughs> because something valuable i think it was like a silver cup or something got stolen from the colonizers and the colonizers turn around and accuse the natives it's a silver they have it's a silver cup they have a bunch of those i well <laughs> What the, I, if you really stole Spanish ships, that I feel like you would have treasure on board. I just the, like, I mean, it's gold, but like it's one silver. Like let it go. I know. Like this is not a reason good enough to start a war. Between, it's literally not. It's like literally not. <laughs> these are the only people that are going to help you survive the winter here. I know. Don't piss them off. Maybe we should play nice. Yeah. Like maybe just a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they in retaliation. Um, the colonizers burned down the whole village. Oh my god. That is... It's just... It's freaking, not a great move. It's... Not well, a good look. Their silver cups can get melted if they want it back so bad. Like, what What were they thinking is going to happen? Well, in the meantime, they've, they've, they've got this fort actually building. And we don't have a real understanding of what it looks like. We don't have any, like, sketches or blueprints or anything. Or any surviving documents that we know of at all. Um, but some of the Spanish sh- ships that went back to they took back to England, had treasure on it. And the queen is like, Oh my gosh, y'all are doing great. Let's send more of you back to the colony. Um, and the people, uh, like I said, the people that had been left behind were not doing great on morale. They had also attacked the people around them. They don't have help from them right now. Um, they've been promised this idea of like a flourishing community and maybe uh-huh. even treasure and, and the name of the queen and for honor and all this stuff. And so, their expectations are not living up to reality at this point. Um, And as they're moving through, the people that were left behind are moving around and exploring the Virginia territory. They're mapping the spaces out as they go. And they don't know, they don't yet understand why really, but they've noticed a trend that the town, the little villages they're visiting are suddenly getting hit with these waves of sickness. Mm. And you got smallpox and the flu coming through everywhere. The white people show up. Mm-hmm. And it's a really long, complicated thing to explain immunization and like how communities not exposed to something in their life have zero ability to stop yeah. it. Yeah, I think COVID like... the worst. 
Um, the whole like global hierarchy of germs thing mm-hmm. and everything too. And one of the most dominant uh, groups are called, I believe, the Secotan indigenous group. Um, and they think that there's this like supernatural higher power or something that comes with the English because like yeah, all of a sudden they're just all getting sick. I mean, and... it's basically like aliens coming down. Yeah, so, like you're yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, tensions are rising. And in some places with the natives, the natives are like, oh, these are like magical people like they're they're in one area apparently they prayed for someone who had gotten sick and he when he got better they're like oh his prayers the the white guy's prayers worked like huh. what okay and then in other places they're like these people are dangerous and we need to maybe not be around them as much so yeah. it's a very mixed re- reaction that they're getting for the people who have been left behind in virginia but sir francis drake is on his way back to england at this point and stops by the colony and leaves them with some supplies and a ship Uh um hurricane hits that ship gets taken out to sea and kaboom (laughs) nice yeah (laughs) that was like that tiktok (laughs) nice (laughs) you sounded like that guy Um, okay well for the record i've been seeing nice for a long time cat yeah that that is true since high school yeah i have proof yeah um <laughs> and at this point the governor lane is like okay our best bet like we obviously are not doing hot um mm-hmm. the ship our like one chance is gone so he basically says we're gonna vamoose out of here and sir francis drake agrees to take them back to england with him <sighs> this gets problematic of course when yeah. is it not and drake has been carrying slaves and refugees on the ships with his crew and um, we don't really know necessarily what happened to all those slaves and refugees because they're not on the manifest when they huh. get back to England. So Blake may Dr- Drake, sorry, Drake may have just kicked off all of the refugees huh. and slaves and left them in that colony in a deserted colony that's not doing so hot yeah. and just like filled the ship up with the English. I almost called them Englanders, the English. Um, <laughs> and that's problematic because he basically left them to die. But then there's also the question of those slaves and refugees. Did they just break out into other communities and assimilate with those? Yeah. Because that, that's not uncommon no. for groups to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that also kind of leads the question of, is that what happened later with Roanoke? Did yeah. they get left behind and just assimilate with other groups when they couldn't survive? Mm-hmm. So, Finally, the colony people, they get back to England in July of 1586. And on the ships, they are carrying a bunch of the important crops that English hasn't seen so far. And Queen Elizabeth is like, ah, yes, mm-hmm. corn, maize. This is it. This is the, this is the good kush. This is great. Um, maize. Mm, maize. And ironically, Sir... Raleigh, my dude over there, had been like, wow, we kind of left these guys over there for a while. And right before they had left to go back to England, well, right after the colony, the remainder uh-huh. of the colony had gone back to England, he had sent a ship to uh, go check on them. Uh-huh. And they must have crossed and, you know, like ships in the night. I never thought I'd get to use that phrase in real context, but I just did. I have used it before. I've never fun. used it in an actual. Oh, like in, in like, yeah, no, to those ships, ships literally must have crossed at some point. <laughs> That's because fair. The ship that Raleigh sent gets there and they're like, um, there's no one here. There's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, um, they head back to England as well. And they're like, Hey, there's no one 
here. Um, yeah. And they're like, oh, just kidding. They got back just a little bit before you did. So put all their <laughs> lives in jeopardy, I guess, to go and check on these guys just to find That's out the guys nice are them, deserted. I, I mean, yeah, it was. <laughs> and so a second colony, they're like, let's give it a second shot. Because one has uh, ever gone wrong. Yeah, definitely not. A two times, times the tar- Two times the charm, three, I guess? Three. three th- yeah. I don't yeah, know. I, guess I don't know so. what they were hoping for. But <laughs> this time it's led by John White for the second colony. And they're heading over there in 1587 after some encouragement. But Roanoke Island itself was kind of deemed inhospitable because the, everything that they went through pe- previously with the colony. Mm-hmm. And... They had um, ended up by, like, normally I would go into detail to explain and do justice to what they did to the indigenous people, but it's a lot, and it was, I literally couldn't fit it in this time, but by the end of their stay, they had murdered a really high-ranking person among the indigenous people. Not a shocker. So a lot of people are like, hey, maybe we shouldn't try to go back there. Maybe we should just try to settle in the Chesapeake Bay area. Uh But, um, obviously... Uh, through well i shouldn't say obviously through a myriad of different events they end up basically back where they started Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of middle class people on the ship this time which is not what was going on last time because a lot of that was just men designed to be a military force yeah and in fact white is bringing his own daughter who was pregnant at the time and it's weird because i don't think of a lot of pregnant women making this journey i can't imagine that was easy or pleasant or absolutely not advisable but her husband was on the ship, too. So his whole family is there. And they leave on May 8th with a force of three ships carrying... It got weird here because if you're, like, counting her unborn baby, et cetera, et cetera. But they think between... I was seeing estimates of 115 to 121 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, 121 mm-hmm. people. And they stop off of Cro- uh, the island, um, the Croatoan island, sorry, and take 40 people ashore to talk... Um, oh, wait, no, I'm... I'm mixing up my words again. I'm sorry. They they stop off the island and take 40 people ashore to, you know, see if they could, like, find the people who were there last time that were, like, left over from the last expedition. Yeah. And they realize, though, that they only find human bones. Oh, that's And they're like, fun. oh, um, okay, well, whoever was left from the last expedition that was supposed to all go back to England, they didn't last very long. Ooh. Yeah, um, and they're all like, well, our old fort is here. I mean, we may as well like just get off the ship. So all the colonists unload, and the conflicts start early when a colonist named George Howe was killed by some group, probably one of the indigenous groups, um, while alone searching for food. And the colonists try to negotiate a peace, but it's still really tense, and they don't really get reciprocation, which... It was justified. They kind of killed some people um, and spread disease and yeah. all that. Um, and it's some back and forth between things start to cool down. At least two women have children here, though. The first being mm. Eleanor Dare, who famously named her daughter Virginia Dare in honor of being the first uh, Christian English kid born in Virginia, which was also named after the Virgin Queen. So, you know, she really just got named after her queen's virginity, if you think about it. <laughs> What um, a namesake, too. Right. They do at some point relocate a little bit, um, and it kind of also leads to the speculation theory that later that Roanoke just moved because they, yeah, on record altogether, did move their settlement a little bit around. Um, 
White didn't necessarily want to be the one to return to England. He was, like, not completely convinced. But people are like, um, we're kind of running low on supplies. Things are tense. Yeah. We can't always ask the indigenous people for help. Yeah. So they encouraged him to go back to England. And he finally agrees and heads back on August 27th, 1587. It's a little rough and tough on his journey. So he doesn't get back until November 5th, which is a good chunk of time on a ship. And there's a whole war going on back home the anglo-spanish war is kind of like tensions are going and he can't get away from england to get back to the roanoke colony uh until 19 or 1590 after you know when he's sitting in england the queen like at first was like okay yeah but you can't go till this war is over or mm -hmm. we need all military ships here yeah um the first and, like, the first time he really sets out, he's like, yeah, we're finally going. We're, we're going to make it. And the ships get looted by the French. <laughs> this is a mess. Like, why this did they... a hot mess. They just got to let it go. There's so many signs. Like, just let it go. I know. He's like, I got to... But he's like, I got to bring supplies back. I left my whole family there. I got to yeah, bring supplies that's back fair. to them. But, but like, like, they should have let it go initially. Well, not only were they looted, like, some of their crew was killed oh off gosh. the coast of Morocco. And he's just like... This is a mess. I know. And then the next time, well, the time before that, the winds weren't in their favor, so oh they delayed God. their push off. Like this is insane. This, no one is winning. Hubris. This yeah, is hubris. Really. <laughs> and so, what's interesting to me, though, I found an account that the Spanish had actually been paranoid that the English were like pulling ahead of them and the overtaking the lands vibe, and sent someone to check on the area around the Roanoke Colony of Virginia. So the Spanish were trying to do some espionage. A spinach, as I used to say as a child, because I didn't know what that word meant. Um, but they didn't see anything notable going on Roanoke Island. And they're, we, I guess we can assume he didn't check that closely if he missed an entire settlement. But, yeah. like, they didn't see any signs of life. So it's the question of when did Roanoke disappear or, like, okay, disperse? Because fair. the Spanish didn't find any signs of them when uh -huh. they went. Um, and a while after that... Um, they get this thing going and they finally get the English ships over there. They're anchored at the end of Croatoan Island and they see plumes of smoke coming from the kind of what they think is the Roanoke area. And they go look and they don't find anything. Um, one source even said, though, that when they did get to the Roanoke settlement, they found like fresh footprints in the sand that they could never track. Huh. Which seems a little fantastical to me i feel like any yeah. footsteps would have been worn away unless someone Especially had been like patrolling the area yeah, yeah like that one felt a little fantastic to me um but the only clue this is where that famous you know croatoan comes in the only clue he finds hinting at their location or demise bum 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 was the word croatoan carved onto a post and the word crow is carved just cro is carved onto a tree uh -huh. um these that it's now known as Hatteras island i believe but that's where the croatoan would have been mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so i also heard accounts that like it was a post they were both on a tree they were both on a post but i did also yeah, see that they yeah. were one was on a post one was on a tree so some combination of the yeah. two white himself believed that this meant they had gone to the island to stay with the Croatoan people. So saying we have no clue what happened, like even White had already made his speculation. Yeah, right? Like he had an idea. He even wrote it down in a letter later. Like we have documentation that he's pretty sure this is what happened. Yeah. Um this is where like Okay, so <laughs> 
I don't quite know how to describe the next series of events because, like, there's some stuff with the ship and they can't go look. And I always heard that they disappeared and never took anything with them. So it was uh -huh. like they disappeared off the face of the earth. But some of the sources I was reading cited that they had taken some of their materials with them. That it wasn't just this fantastical, sudden, spontaneous huh. disappearance that we, you know, we romanticize it to be because yeah. sometimes people especially the movie industry and this yeah. became an issue later because they've made movies about this know that the best way to get a wider audience is to romanticize or make this a super what is the word i'm looking for um sensationalized Sensational, story yeah um so this um search party seems to it seems like they went through and they found that people had taken their supplies, like that what they could carry at huh. least. Um, but there did, there were signs of looting, like disorganized kind huh. of going through stuff as well, which also when you're living in a place like that could just be a raccoon. They got into your drawers and decided to nest there. Like who knows, you yeah. know, who knows, but they also didn't see any of the original boats from the colonists. So, at some point, either the ships were destroyed or they took the colonists took those ships to get somewhere. Um, and this is where, once again, things go horribly wrong for this little rescue mission. Nice. Um, you want to guess? Because they go back. They don't want to stay the day on the island when they don't have their own okay. protection. So they go back on the ship. Okay. And for I, the evening. The know. anchor breaks. I was going to say, they get <laughs> stuck somewhere or something yeah. stupid. Yeah, the anchor breaks and they realize they literally can't keep looking around. And they literally just go back to England. Okay, like, that's, yeah, that's like, the story. Their anchor breaks in, like, okay, we're going to leave now. We're just going to leave, yeah. That's and, awesome. Like, there was apparently some storms or something, and after all of it, they're just like, okay, we're going to go back to England. And the story just ends with a bunch of litigious, like, who owns the land then? Is it Raleigh? Is it so-and-so? Like, uh -huh. everyone just goes to court fighting over Virginia land. And I, and I guess they just never I'm, like, thought so to tired just, like, thinking, like, this is just... I know. That's why it was so hard to research. Because, like, yeah. I couldn't line up a lot of the different accounts. Yeah, no. They were, like, all the same but different. And trying to line each of them up, mm -hmm. I was like, so you're talking about the first expedition. You're talking about the second. You're talking about the relief mission. I'm, like, yeah. so confused. <laughs> um, But... It's not like no one ever went to, I guess it's fair to say that not, it's not that no one ever went to look again. There was a guy yeah. named Bartholomew Gilbert, which is a hell of a name, my dude. Go for it. Yes. Hey, I have a fun name in one of my stories, or part of my story, Ooh, too. Yeah. Well, he goes out in 1603, which is a good chunk of time later. So, like, children would have been grown up by now. Like, yeah. things would have happened. Yeah. Um, he wanted to try and find the Roanoke Colony, but... They get there, and I think they're killed by one of the indigenous groups, or, like, a good chunk of them are, at least. And the rest of the crew immediately turns around and goes back to England and is this like... This is just... They gotta stop. It almost sounds, like, cursed. No, like, like literally, it does. Like, the Roanoke colony's cursed. Y'all yeah. should really stop trying to they figure it to out. They have to stop. Y'all gotta stop. Which might lead to the sensationalized ideas of this. But, um... There are no notable other people that go through Virginia at some point, none necessary to look for Roanoke, but to mm -hmm. settle the land. Mm -hmm. And none of them, like, seem to be, like, 100% sure in agreement upon what happened to the Roanoke people. Yeah. Um, and that leads us to our theories. So they range from getting killed by hostile Spaniards to indigenous populations, disease, famine, a deadly storm. Because we know that storms there, I never associate, like, 
that area with bad storms, but they get them just like the rest of the coastline. So yeah, that makes sense. The most popular, well, one of the most popular is Croatoan Island that the most obvious answer can be right. And that if they wrote down the word Croatoan, the odds are that they went to go live on the island with the Croatoan people. Yeah. Um, and it fits the earliest speculations that White had. So uh-huh. many researchers had done ex- excavations there and they found evidence that these people did go to Hatteras Island that like they found, okay. um, like, sounds good to me. <laughs> I know like physical objects that yeah. you literally, unless even if they didn't move there, there had to be trade at some point yeah, um, to get those items to the Island with the indigenous population mm-hmm. and with them knowing so much about survive the indigenous groups knowing about survival it might not even been a matter of like oh we're better than them whatever like at some point you just need you just need food so they may have just gone to the indigenous population for help um but a lot of the doubt comes in when you think about a hundred people relying on an indigenous group to survive and resources because Mm -hmm. could an indigenous group take in a hundred people all that's fair yeah um and there, it doesn't help that it's been clouded by hoaxes as well. There's something called the Dare Stones, carvings that were supposedly left over from Eleanor Dare, John White's daughter, um, that had like anecdotes and accounts of what happened to them and everything. But most academics think that it was probably it was a hoax, but maybe one of the stones was real. Mm-hmm. So that clouds things on whether or not they even could leave information for mm-hmm. whoever came back to look for them, all that stuff. Um, it is supported, though, by the Jamestown people who later came through and they were like, hey, like people later asked them, like, hey, do you know what happened to the Roanoke settlers? And they were like, oh, well, some of them died, you know, some of them this. Yeah. But there were people from the Jamestown group that said that the indigenous populations had dis- like among them, there were people that displayed European features, which suggests that they assimilated into the indigenous groups Um but there were specific examples that they offered, which is kind of when you can offer a specific example, I feel like that's a pretty good, it's better than just saying, Oh, they may have done this. But apparently some Mm -hmm. of the Jamestown people said that the indigenous settlements around there had two story structures with thatched roofs. That's something that's very English. Yeah. It's not something that they would have built on their own. So either the English taught them or showed them that technique or they moved in with them and built those structures. Yeah. Um, there's even accounts of a blonde boy with fair skin dressed in the clothes of indigenous groups. So Mm. like, you know, even if like only a few people survived or something, at some point it's very probable that Uh they mixed uh in. Um, and there's the theory of the Lumbee connection, which is, suggests that these groups definitely, suggests that definitely, that's counterintuitive. It (laughs) suggests that these groups combined to create descendants that would become the Lumbee tribe, a group that is native to North Carolina and doesn't have a like set in stone heritage, but the oral history suggests that it was the Roanoke colony joining because the last names from the Roanoke people show up in the Lumbee tribe, like some of the identifiable names. So that, Hmm. that's theory that they moved in with the Roanoke people has a lot of backing and a lot of sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah all my teachers that told me they just disappeared in thin air <laughs> i'm coming at you right. there's also the small possibility that they tried to sail back to england on one of the ships that had been left behind for them which would expi- explain explain why all of the ships were gone when white came back to look for them especially 
you know, like I like I said, the ships got pulled off the shores all the time. Like you, you yeah. could lose them in a storm, whatever. But if they had set out all on one ship, it would explain why they all disappeared. Because if a ship went down with everyone on it, then there goes any trace you ever had of figuring out what happened to yeah, them. Yeah, that makes sense too. Or yeah. they could have gone back on the ship and then by, been attacked by a Spanish ship. Um, but the one hesitation on this, well, one of the hesitations on this uh-huh. isn't is the uh, thought that they wouldn't have had enough food and supplies, and the ship probably wouldn't have been big enough to carry them all together. That you would, I mean, originally their fleet was like three ships; they mm-hmm. couldn't fit them all back on one. So yeah. maybe they tried to build a small one that sailed alongside a big one. That's probably the only way they could have done it. But it seems just more likely that they assimilated with the crow and towing yeah. because if they'd gone on a ship too, they probably uh-huh. would have left a couple people behind on the colony uh-huh. to let anyone or else know what happened. Or maybe it was like a combination. Some people went on the ship, they drowned, the ship some went people, down, yeah. and some people stayed and assimilated. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are some people that say it was actually intentional. That, like, huh. there were a couple higher-up people that were really upset with Raleigh's, like, you know, the morale was low, and they were upset that Raleigh had all this land and a right to it, and they weren't getting anything out of it, and that they tried to undermine him by abandoning the colonists and making it show that, like, all of Raleigh's efforts would be in vain and yeah. basically just screwed him over by killing the colon, which is really messed up, and I would hope no one would do that, but, you yeah. know, greed is a powerful thing. So... There's also, oh, my thing just glitched. Um, there is also a tree on Hetera Island that has a very faint symbol in the bark that looks like the letter C-O-R-A, um, which made some people speculate that that was a tr- like the sister tree back to the one on Roanoke. Mm. And it was their way of marking that, yeah, we just came to this island. Here's mm-hmm. part two of part one, which would mean that they were with the Croatoan people. Um, but that's never been validated, and they had a hard time validating that tree even dates back that huh. far. And, of course, there's the alien theory. Aliens. There's always got to be aliens. I know. I always throw that in there for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate One of these it. days, you're going to get that tattoo. Gonna, I am. going to get that alien tattoo. i got to figure out what I want them to look like, but one of these days it'll happen. I think just the sanded flying saucer would be really cute. Flying saucers are super cute. They are. Um, and what's interesting is that the historiography of these theories is... Like, for for a long time, hundreds of years, people were apathetic about it. They were like, okay. Yeah, a failed right. colony, like, like, what did you okay, expect? Okay, whatever. Because like, you know, uh, it was common for ships to go down. Colonies yeah. to be lost. Assimilations are unprecedented movement of groups. Uh-huh. Like, all of this uh-huh. is a thing. But it shows up again in the 1800s when there's a lot of, honestly, racist discussion about indigenous groups and people well. and intermixing and all this other like evidence and that's when people start paying attention to it again because it would be a very unique not unique but a a very prominent example of it because being the first colony that's a very america Uh like Uh pride sort of thing for Uh people and there is recent research the first colony foundation which is a north carolina nonprofit dedicated to understanding what happened to the colony Mm -hmm. recently found pottery that they believe came from the original settlers um and here's come here comes like the night at the museum level nice. like no not night at the museum this is more of a um, national treasure esque moment here. <laughs> those are your two movies I Kat. know <laughs> but but it, it's crazy because researchers were digging for info in 2012 apparently in hopes of uncovering more of an absolute truth and on the map on the back of a map called La Virginia Paz I don't 
know what it was supposed to say. <laughs> they found a hidden sort of thing in invisible ink. Okay, it's that very is national treasure. That is national treasure. I know. And they oh probably did it originally to hide information of their mapping in case the Spaniards got a hold of it and they didn't want the Spaniards taking their information uh-huh. and using it against them. Um, so I just think that's so cool. Invisible ink. That's um, impressive. Invisible ink. That map had two forts on it. One that was about 50 miles west of Roanoke. Uh-huh. A couple years later, this same research group goes out to dig through the place where the fort should have been. And uh, a site that wasn't far from the indigenous village called Metaquam, Metaquim, um, which was common for them to not even settle with, but settle near indigenous populations so that yeah. they could have help. And they didn't ever find the fort. It's long gone. But they found groups of English pottery around this fort that implies that they would have stayed there for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance that those things are left over from Jamestown, but there are other items indicative of Jamestown that weren't among that pottery that they would have yeah. expected to find. Yeah. Um, and so that doesn't discredit the idea that Croatoan Island was also a destination. They could have split up. And that mm-hmm. would explain how Croatoan was able to take on a smaller group and not overextend their resources uh-huh. if part of this uh-huh. group went to the fort. Um Currently, one of the biggest projects around it is the Croatoan Project. Um, their academically-backed findings confirm the theory that the colonists did make it to the island or at least sort out some sort of trade with the Croatoans. Um, but there is a crazy amount of, like, speculation and arguing over it, which is funny because you think about, like, academics arguing over it. Like, to everyone else, it looks stupid. Like, why are they fighting over this? But it is, like, fantastically interesting when you're looking at the history of it and you're Uh also like invested in it because well it's interesting if they did like assimilate with the native group because that's like to peacefully assimilate and like to coexist that's awesome and kind of unheard of in our history yeah Um, we don't talk about those parts of history because yeah because the racial stuff we get taught is the stuff Uh from the victorian era when jim Uh crow was in place and they want to demonize racial differences yep or the other option, them just like disappearing off the face of the earth. That's also that's cool interesting too. too. You know, like either way, either yeah. way you slice it. Well, and um, you like the people who there were people who at first were like, "There's no way that a white group of people would have moved in with a indigenous group." You know, they and I was like, "Okay, you're starving. You've got the clothes on your back. It's winter's coming. Yeah. Game of Thrones style. Like you, yeah. your pride is gone, honey. Whatever racial lines uh-huh. you think are there, you're just desperate for help. Yeah. And one of uh, Melinda Maynor Lowry, who's a professor of university University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, said, "Sure, it's possible. Why wouldn't it be? People don't get lost. They get murdered. They get stolen. They get taken in. They live and die as members of others' communities." Hmm. And I think that's such a good point. Like we have this idea of racial superiority in the time but it's yeah. not crazy to think that people could also just be like hey we'll help you yeah you help us you know yeah and um the same the same professor also brought up the point that if other indigenous people like the secatan people who had trouble in the first uh expedition were scared of the white people or something like that the croatoan may have actually liked having some of the colonizers with them because it gives them power over the other indigenous groups in turn so it could have been a huge power play to take in the colonizers and give yeah. them an edge over the other indigenous groups. No, that's true. That's so, true. Like, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. You know, we, we could, maybe it was aliens. Who knows? But like, My there is also, aliens, yeah, there is also a rational explanation that I was yeah. very much not taught was even there a possibility <laughs> when I was in school. So yeah, that was an interesting one. But 
what is more interesting to me is the resilience of the human. Yeah. I was going to say spirit, but stupidity is there too. Because after all that went wrong, they just kept trying, guys. I'm, I'm like, someone had to eventually do it. But, like, I guess I can't call you stupid because I appreciate that you eventually, like, you tried your hardest. But at the same time, yeah. there was a lot of things in your way saying, stop. Don't colonize the indigenous lands. Yeah, well, that's that hubris, isn't it? Uh-huh. Well, that was really interesting, Kat. Well, thanks. I had no idea it was such a mess of a process. I know. I really thought they just got there easily, settled, and then disappeared. Yeah. No, they didn't. It was a whole cluster. That would be a much of... shorter story, wouldn't it? Yeah. I was afraid at first that's what my story would be. I was like looking it up, and all of them were like, Roanoke disappeared. Here are the theories. And I was like, okay, so you don't have info on Roanoke. You just have yeah. info on the disappearances. Uh-huh. And eventually I found all that stuff, and I was like, Y'all went through it. Jeez. Well, that was really good. Well, thanks. I'm ready for years. I'm not interested in a lot of colonial history, but that one... That I know. Was, that I'm not either. I was fun. kind of dreading it, but I was like... Yeah. Need to well, do you did a good colonial. job, so... Oh, thanks. I'm ready for years. I'm hyped. I don't even know about your topic. I know about the marathon and Phidippides dying, Well, but that's not, not that. part of the original one. So. I know. I, that's I'm, yeah. I'm ready. I know nothing other than um, the fact that I like ice skating. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm covering the history of the Olympics. Which, now, this is another one of those topics that you can go as shallow or as deep as you want. Um, because I could literally sit here and explain to you um, there. every Olympics since 1896. Okay, please don't do that. I will not be doing that because I care about my mental health. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And our so, viewership. I don't think our viewership necessarily <laughs> needs to hear the results of every sport in the last... What? Y'all don't want it? Yeah. Hey, hey, send us an email. Let me know if you want it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaylee will do a special five-part episode. <laughs> It'll just be me crying and like... <laughs> and then Jim Bob won gold in running <laughs> in Stop. 1954. Um, but yeah, so I'm doing the Olympics. And uh, so this is going to be a little bit kind of... It, it feels like an outline. Because it, that's what it is when you cover big chunks of things yeah. that represent. Yeah, there, there's history. really not a whole lot of in between. Sometimes you either yeah. go to like the general outline or like the in depth story of every. And person. that's like what I was struggling with too, because all of the sources that we're coming up with were like, um, like an outline basically. And I think that's kind of what the consensus is for people who have written on this is yeah. like, um. Like, well, we can't talk about everything, so we have to, like, kind of just give an outline. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, so I guess we're starting at the very beginning. So I'm going to take you farther back even than Kat did. Yeah. To 776 BC. Yeah, it took me back a little farther. I thought mine was old. <laughs> um, and uh, I know that I've been doing a lot of, like, Roman stuff. Or not Roman, but, like you know like ancient i appreciate it though because i my ancients and i feel like this is a recurring problem in the field because a lot of departments get separated into ancients and then modern history and all that so i I appreciate finally getting to know more about the ancient yeah and that's why i'm like doing it too because i'm interested in but i promise next time it won't be something ancient it'll be Mm -hmm. more modern um so 776 bce we have our first olympic victor Okay. He is a man by the name of, hold on, let me find where I put his name. Coroibus of Ellis. And he is a cook. And okay. he wins the race that is the Olympics at this time. So in 776, where we have our first record of an Olympics game being held, it is only one race hmm. um, that is about 200 yards long or 183 meters. <laughs> Okay. And that's it. That's like my preschool 
Like, yeah. you know, when you had, did you, did your school do like an Olympics or like a bike rodeo or anything? No. Okay. We had like bike rodeos and like Olympics day and it was like, <laughs> no, or like Renaissance fair day uh-uh. when we had like little games and stuff. We had like, um, like field day that was like rodeo themed. Okay. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a field day for a kid where you're like. Yeah, I'm from Houston, though, so everything was rodeo themed. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Biggest rodeo in the world, baby. Hey, I placed third in my entire grade, in my entire district, in a bike rodeo. Thank wow. you very much. I have a trophy for it. Some I, I actually bet you do. do. Yeah. yeah. I think I kept it. <laughs> my biggest accomplishment to date is the second grade bike rodeo. <laughs> right? So these games in 776 were held at Olympia, which was a pretty affluent city in the west of the Peloponnesian Peninsula. We do know that they were held in midsummer, kind of late slash midsummer, um, and they did happen once every four years. So those things are all kind of hangovers that we have from the original Olympic Games. Um, we do know that uh, historians are pretty much unanimously agreed upon the fact that games were happening before this. This is just the first time we have in history history. Like, in the record. Like, a documented um, kind of form yeah. of it. Okay. Um, so, like, we know that this is our first offens- official, like, victor that we have in the historic record. So, that's okay. pretty cool. So, this guy, the the cook, Kuroivis of Ellis, was our first official Olympian. Wow. Um, and we do know that these games were held in celebration of the Greek gods, specifically to honor Zeus. And apparently, even all wars would cease during the games, which, again... At this time, is really only one race, so I guess it wasn't that big of a deal to stop all wars. I just made wars. the connection between Olympus and Olympics when you mentioned the Greek gods, and I feel yep. like and I then, was like, like the city Olympia, fifteen years behind on my knowledge of that <laughs> one. Um, yeah, it's a very common thing to be in hi- learning history on something. Yeah, you read like, the Percy oh Jackson books, and you didn't put that together. I know. We're gonna... <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So. That's among the list of things I should have known 20 years ago. That's fine. Well, you were like three then, so. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> I think I'll cut you a break on Maybe that Maybe more one. like 10 years ago, but. <laughs> um, so that's kind of all we know. Like, we have in the record that, you know, every four years they met and they competed and you got a different victor and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But again, I'm not going to get specific on that. Um, so then we have kind of like some major changes that happened to the original Olympics and how they kind of exploded during their time as well. So they started pretty small, like I said, just that one race. But by the 14th Olympic Games we have in the record, we already see evidence of them expanding. A second race that was twice the length of the stadium, so double the first race was added. And that took, it took 14 whole games to get there. Wow. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm almost trying to like imagine this as a coliseum and like in the coliseum, like how, like size wise, what yeah. proportions? Yeah, I mean is. it's two hundred yards. A football field is a hundred yards. Yeah. Um, so I guess it'd be about the length of the inner circle of a coliseum. I don't know. I've never I don't been know. To I've the never coliseum. been to the coliseum. We're broke. Um, every hey, every <laughs> review that you give us. No, I can't say that. We don't get paid for reviews. I was gonna say it goes to our funds to finally right. go see the coliseum. It but gives us the potential to maybe to maybe be someday pop- possibly popular enough to yeah. afford going to the coliseum. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. Uh, and I should mention, they did start off as, like, a local thing. There wasn't mm-hmm. very much draw from the community around. There was just kind of something that people in this, like, little city of Olympia did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. So, but then we have, you know, it's gaining popularity. People are kind of like, oh, the Olympics, like, 
once every four years. Wow, that's so, like, exclusive. I gotta be in on that. Mm -hmm. And so by the 18th games, we have the Spartans. And this is where it really started to take off. Because the Spartans, as we know, are very much the more militaristic, the more athletic, the more physically capable group of Greeks. And so once they become involved, the games kind of advanced, um, like, rapidly at that point. Um, so sometime between the 14th and the 18th games, we do see a third race, an even longer third race being added, mm-hmm. but still mu- not much more movement. But by the 18th game, with the involvement of the Spartans, we had several more events, um, and this included things such as a wrestling competition and a pentathlon that included mm-hmm. running, jumping, spear, and discus throwing, discus throwing, and wrestling again because it's the spartans wow. so i guess they wanted to wrestle a lot uh, yeah <laughs> yeah that makes sense to me um boxing was added in the 23rd games with the addition of chariot racing and other sports coming sometime after that and by the 37th games in 632 bce the games had expanded to a full five-day event that drew athletes from every part of the greek empire so we kind of see a pretty rapid escalation and kind of scale yeah of the games i mean it it takes 37 olympic games which is a lot but but when it's only happening every four years like that's pretty impressive yeah i was gonna say the four years makes it so that you can only make so much progress in a given amount of time changes in this yeah. rapid but that also would be something that's relatively unprecedented too i was gonna say like four years is such a specific like there's no information on why four years but i feel like you would forget about something well, if to, you were like, we're going to wait four years to do this again. And to consistently consistently bring people back, to have this thing planned out, to yeah. put wars on hold. I don't know if there was anything, a consistent thing yeah, that no. would do that. So this had to be a very unprecedented event. It would make yeah. it would make sense that it takes a little time yeah. to like get to figure out rolling. what are we yeah. what are we doing? What are we figure, like what are the rules? Yeah. What are the standards? No, for sure. And that was what I was thinking about too, because I was like, so before we have record of this first guy, the cook winning like this had to come from somewhere i want to know how we got to the four-year increments because i feel like if i was meeting up with my buddies like who i i don't know like did track with on the side on the weekends yeah i would be like hey we should have a competition and then in four years we're gonna have another one and then every single person in that group would just immediately forget that we were ever planning on doing that i wonder if it has something to do with distances of travel if it took like maybe a year to travel both ways from a further out area or something like i I mean a year is a gross exaggeration it started as a local thing though that's the thing that's true yeah i don't know that's interesting maybe it has something to do okay this is not true do not take any heed (laughs) of what i'm about to say this is a fantastic catherineization of catherineization wow i am willing to say that it has something to do with the pattern of the constellations and the greek gods Sure, I that but sounds maybe good to it me. was like a thing. Every four years, we, they did it in honor of one of the goddesses when the stars aligned. Yeah, maybe so. No, they did not. Yeah, who the, who the hell knows? Cats making. Stuff they did again. weird stuff back then, so you know. So by this time too, the thirty seventh games, the games have been like pretty become pretty professional. They've kind of like developed into a like perfect. Like people are doing like they're training for the olympics they're going and representing the little towns they're from and like the greek empire is pretty big so they're coming from all corners of this and like yeah and it keeps going like that and the games are held from literally 776 that we have and again people are like no this happened before to the collapse of the greek empire in 146 bce so that's seven six hundred years 
Nice. That it went consistently. And like, what else is 600? You know what I mean? What's like, what else happens? Yeah. But like, that's that's, object. That's like on and off. And that's like effort to build these. It kind of just really seemed like they just kind of happened. Like it was always meant to be the Olympics every four years. That is kind of crazy. It makes me rethink what we have now. Think about how much change Greece went through in 600 years for their one consistency. Well, it also makes me think about like the fact that it was canceled over like a world war and it's like how many yeah. thousands not thousands but how many hundreds of years no thousands huh my brain just shorted out at the concept of time again but like as it does you think about like how sacred a tradition that is like how insane well, that is and the fact that it got yeah. can like when it gets canceled you're just like oh yeah oh. Well, we're gonna talk about that a little bit okay so it does hit a decline, and it's of course it's because of Rome, and of course, it's, <laughs> of course it's because of Christianity. Rome. But <laughs> what isn't at this point? Um, so We're Rome, get, like people attacking us. I know. I it's all in good fun, isn't it? Um, but <laughs> shut up, Kat. Um So Rome conquers Greece, as I said, in 146 BCE, before the Common Era. And, um, they, the Rome was apparently kind of into it. So much into it that Nero, the Emperor Nero competed in a game. Like himself? In, yeah, like himself oh. in the year 67 AD. Um, however, he, it was a chariot race and he disgraced himself because he fell out of his chariot, <laughs> but then still declared himself the winner. Um, so, so like, so like, yeah, so that's. So that's how that went. But the little I know about Nero, that that fits. I right. I, okay, you're gonna have to do an episode on him eventually. Oh, eventually. I can't do him right after Caligula though. No, you're right. Um. Yeah, this is gonna be problematic. Okay, sorry. It's gonna text for my roommate. Uh oh. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Do we need to pause? No, we're good. Okay. It's stuff later for later. Okay. But um. So. They were kind of into it. Not as into it as the Greeks were. And that's kind of what I see. Is this kind of like... They, they participated in it. And the Roman emperors were like, yeah, sure. Like, this is kind of fun. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll fuck around and ride a chariot. And then blame everyone else when I fall out of mine. <laughs> um, uh, Burn down the city in retribution. Right? But as time progressed and um, it not being... Because, again, they were to honor Zeus. So it not being a focal point of the Roman religion... Um, the kind of how seriously people took the games, the quality of the games themselves, the popularity, all this stuff just kind of dropped and dropped and dropped until in 393 um, AD. So uh, right around when Christianity is like being accepted by Rome, mm-hmm. um, we have Emperor Theodosius I, who is a Christian, and he decides to declare an end to all pagan festivals in Rome of which the Olympics were included because again it was mm-hmm. meant to honor Zeus. And that was the end of the games that had continued for a total of twelve centuries. Oh my god. Twelve centuries. And he said, No. Oh, that's painful. I know. And it wouldn't be another it wouldn't be for another one thousand and five hundred years approximately that we have another Olympic Games. That's Time, literally the concept of time when I look at history sometimes warps me. And yeah. we talked about it before. Uh, being an American, 
can really warp your time because our country only existed like the past 300 years or so. Yeah. So like conceptually, my brain can't handle the thought that like the Olympic Games existed. Yeah. Four times longer at first than America did. Like I. Yeah. I, yeah. So, and the, actually, honestly, the story about how they got started up again is like very straightforward, like pretty cut and dry, way more than mm-hmm. I was expecting. There was this man by the name of Pierre de Coubertin, who was a French man. Beautiful pronunciation. Um, I hope that's correct. I don't know if it is. He was a baron, and he apparently was very ha- passionate about the promotion of physical education. Um, and so he visits on vacation. He visits the site of the original Olympics, so Olympia. Mm-hmm. And he decides that, hey, this would be a good way to promote physical education Hey, um, it's to restart guys. these games. And that's, he's like, just gets this idea in his head. He's like, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this. Um, and apparently he was dedicated enough and it worked because, um, he, so, so apparently even the Greeks themselves have tried to, and failed to pick the games back up just in like a kind of a local way, mm-hmm. um, in sometime in the 1800s, but it never really stuck. But it took the dedication and um, just kind of really, like, focus of this barren guy to make it mm-hmm. happen. So in November of 1892, he goes to the Union des Sports Athletiques uh, in Paris and proposed his idea to restart the Olympics. It's not until two years later that he gets approval for this idea but in 1894 he is given permission to start the international olympic committee or the ioc as we more commonly know it today and they start planning the first olympic games in over 1500 years wow yeah and i I, i'm sure there's like more to that story but i could not find more for the life of me no i mean but i'm like that's pretty cut and dry yeah that's you know it didn't have like dates and times yeah it, it it didn't take like a movement from like some sort of major political body. It's just this one yeah. guy who was like, I'm going to start the Olympics. And now it's this huge, like international multi-billion dollar thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, just cause some guy was like, Hey, I want some people to exercise. Like, that's so crazy to me. That is um, kind of, it's literally the epitome of like little idea, big result. Right. So the first modern Olympics was held in Athens, Greece, fittingly, very fittingly. Apparently mm-hmm. the, the Baron guy wanted to have it in Paris and then, the people who were on this like uh, athletics committee in Paris were like, no, 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 it should be in Greece. And so he was like, okay. That is poetic. Uh, yeah, he had representatives from um, a lot of major com- countries that were competing in the games represented on the International Olympic Committee, so that first IOC. Um, the first, these first Olympics had a spectator crowd of 60,000 people and had around 280 athletes from 12 countries competing in 43, 43 events including some of the same iconic events we still have today, which include track and field, gymnastics, swimming, wrestling, cycling, tennis, weightlifting, shooting, and fencing. Um, While these games were successful enough to continue, the popularity of the Olympics themselves worldwide did not really take off, apparently, until the 1924 Games in Paris. This is uh, these games had three thousand athletes from forty four countries and competed, uh, or with around a hundred of those women competing as well, because the original like the Greek Olympics and the first few non Greek Olympics were no women allowed. So, but yeah. um, they kind of break through that way sooner than I was expecting. Um, 
But apparently, for some reason, 1924, these games really, like, shh, like, people were like, okay, this is a thing we're doing now. Um, and maybe it's just because, yeah, maybe it's just because, like, it was right after World War One, and everyone was looking to kind of, like, reunite, uh, yeah. come back together. I also think that Kuberton's Coop, time was, like, timing was good, because I was, like, 1890s were kind of in that, like classical renaissance yeah. like romanticism yeah. like all of that kind of jazz it's very popular to look back on the classics and like oh we can do this and so yeah. that's probably he probably just struck while the iron was hot and mm-hmm. it ended up working out and now we're where we are today um and also in 1924 was the first official winter olympics so that's pretty cool too huh i wonder um, what i mean i guess it's just weird to me to think that you've like always had these like classical sports kind of You've mm-hmm. always had, like, obviously track, like, the more track and fieldy stuff that would have been a present in ancient Greece. Yeah. And at some point, you'd be like, oh, yeah, we need winter Olympics because of snowboarding. And right. So I, like, yeah, that juxtaposition, like, yeah. who finally decided, like, yeah, we have to do, like, snowboarding and ice skating and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't huh. know why. I guess they were just like, hey, there's more athletic events. Um, cool. But that we can't do it in the summer because it's too hot. I also saw somewhere, and I did not double check this, but I really should have, that apparently sometime between 1920 and 1940, they had art Olympic events. Oh, cool. So, like, painting and, like, oh. like there was, like, technical challenges. I'm looking it up. Yeah, you should. Um, but I was like, I don't know if that's real. I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> um, also, I was, like, coming over here. I was, like, wrapping up notes and coming over here. I was like, I don't have time for this. No, but I'll look it up. if it is cool, that would be really cool. Or if it is real, that would be really cool. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of, like, where we have found ourselves. Obviously, the Olympics now are a huge deal. They just ended. And, um, you know, this is one of the only years. Actually, I think the only year it hasn't been on that four-year repeat cycle. And when they did decide to restart the Olympics in 1896, the IOC at the time did agree that, um, yeah, we're going to keep up with that four-year time, like, continuation. I don't know why four years again. But um, that they're also going to move it around city to city, um, which now is we're kind of feeling the consequences of that decision. I personally am in the camp that maybe they should just pick one city so that everyone doesn't have to bankrupt their country trying to host this thing. Um Oh, but I found it. If yeah. you want it. Um, art competitions form... This is directly off of Wiki, guys. So it, it's not... Wiki has become more reputable in the last few years. But I want to make that disclaimer. That, yeah. Uh, Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, because it was the first one up. Uh, part of the modern, modern Olympic Games from its early years, from 1912 to 1948, um, medals were awarded for works of art inspired by sport, divided into five categories. Huh. Architecture, literature, music, and painting and sculpture. The juried art competitions, like judged, were abandoned in 1954 because artists were considered to be professionals, while Olympic athletes were required to be amateurs. Hmm. You know, I saw this TikTok that was like, the Olympics would be so much funnier if they did like a Hunger Games style, like reaping. Oh my gosh. Where it's just like random people, like trying to like do this massive, like marathon run. No, I actually, my that would favorite, be hilarious. My favorite suggestion I've ever seen was someone saying like, can we have, you pull someone from the crowd to do the event next to the professional, like to the, to the like real um, uh-huh, entrance uh-huh. because it's, like it's they're all so good. Thing. You can't, you're you like, don't oh, understand. I can run that fast. But if you put a normal person next to them, <laughs> yeah, you're like, like oh, on the ground. no, I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much where we are now um, with the Olympics. And 
it's just crazy to me how like I think it just happened at the right time because I don't think that we see anything it, them ending anytime soon. No. And as I was saying, like if you can do it in the middle of a pandemic, they'll keep them going. <laughs> yeah. Um, I personally think that they should just stick to one location for the summer games and one location for the winter games because people don't need to be bankrupting their countries. See, I've always felt a little, like, unokay about how much money goes into the building. Because also the ecological implications of it, like how much you disrupt. just like pure space. Yeah, because and it also Olympic it's, villages take up. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be like super great financially when it can bring all the tourism. But this year, like uh-huh. there weren't tourists there. No. There weren't people yeah. going to the Olympics like usual. So yeah, I feel like yeah, you're I right. think that they should have the Summer Olympics in Olympia in Greece because mm-hmm. that's where they were, and I think that yeah. would be good. And then the Winter Olympics, I don't know somewhere else, but where it's cold. But, Russia. <laughs> um, maybe yeah. not Russia. Maybe, maybe not Switzerland. Russia. They're always neutral. So. Yeah. No, but I think that's a good point. Like, because yeah. it's a huge strain on a country to literally reset an entire yeah. area. For and Olympics. it's like a huge honor, but it's also a huge, huge strain. And it's yeah. just again, this it hasn't been that long since they were restarted. You know, just what? over a hundred years. They should in like Greece. They should create a little village that's literally like you know how reservations aren't subject to federal law the same way. Uh-huh. And so there's like a little pocket in the middle of like, Oklahoma. yeah, well it would be like, uh, it should like be that the Vatican. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It should be like that. where like different countries can host uh-huh. and like, yeah, exactly. Bring their employees to, it'll uh-huh. be an honor. You can still uh-huh. host, but you host in the place where the stadium's already built. The equipment's already there. You don't have to. And you can like, sure. Update the stadium every year. Yeah. Spend your money doing but you that. You don't have to like ruin like 12 city blocks of your yeah exactly guys sign us up for the olympic committee guys like, we're so smart we Kaylee know how I to run the world so much world better issues. everything we just fix world everything yeah so now um i have a little bit of fun facts for you yes um I'm ready yes so it is very well i've heard several times and i'm sure you have too that the original olympic games were done in the nude have you heard that i actually Maybe I had. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't remember ever hearing it like yeah. explicitly. So I have heard it, and I was like, "Well, obviously, I have to address this because people Why are, not? the people are gonna want to know. I have to serve yeah. the people." Mm-hmm. Um, so what I found is basically it is very likely that it could have happened. I don't think it was like a dress code or anything, but it seems like we have enough stories about people performing in the nude that. It might not have been necessary, but it definitely was allowed was and gymnasia just normal working out and stuff? Was okay, so the gymnasia, I did see that. I'm not sure because I saw like that dependent. for like one of the one of the explanations because gymno I think is nude. So gym like a gymnasium yeah. is like place for working out in the nude. I remember hearing that when I was learning about ancient Greek culture, but that yeah. was a long time ago. But, I don't know if I trust it. I, it could be the case where they just worked out in the nude and then they like put their little pants on to go do the Olympics. Yeah. But I mean, these people were, I don't know, Greek people were wearing togas and crap. So I don't think I would want to run in a toga anyway. No. But I also can't imagine how comfortable it would be because these were only men. In fact, it was so only men that not even married women were allowed to see the games, which again tells me that they might have been naked. Yeah. But... Um, so, like, not they weren't even allowed to attend them, Mar- married women. And sex and um, nudity was a whole different yeah, thing. Yeah, and so if married women aren't allowed to attend, then definitely not unmarried yeah. women. Um, so 
I just can't also imagine that, you know, these first few games, they were just races. I can't imagine it'd be that comfortable running around with your thingy fluffing around. I don't feel comfortable running around with my, without a sports bra on. It's exactly. Like, it, man, it's that. Maybe like, they had like a little undies or something. I don't know, but they just literally design high impact sports bras so that when you're running yeah. like versus ballet or something where your uh-huh. movement is different, you can like choose different ones for yeah. different like yeah. movements and i'm like you know i do appreciate that i feel like it's a ploy to get me to buy different and more sports bras well but it, there's I mean, something you... to be said for like running versus just doing yoga. yeah because like, you kind of want you kind of want the girls in place when you're running you don't want to feel uncomfortable man um so i'm gonna say plausible okay like the mythbusters do plausible <laughs> um <laughs> you always wanted to be one I will reference the Mythbusters literally everything, every chance I can get. Uh, So these games actually were so influential to the original Greek culture that they existed in that ancient historians actually began to measure time in four-year increments that are known as the Olympiads. So they were so significant societally that ancient historian like ancient historians historians at the time were just like oh in the 432nd olympiad or something which i have heard before i i feel like i've heard the term i just i've heard of yeah again if i didn't put together olympia olympics (laughs) and olympus then who knows what i'm gonna put together or not (laughs) so as i said they were strictly male male only women even married women were prohibited from competing or even attending in that I, I think women are allowed to attend in the modern games, but they were not allowed to compete in the first modern Olympic games. However, a woman by the name of Helene de... This is uh, literally in Swiss, so I can't apologize if I can't read this. Helene de Portales of Switzerland became the first woman to compete at the Olympic Games and became the first female ch- Olympic champion as a member of the, women, of the winning team in the first... What in the one to two ton sailing event on May 22nd, 1900. So in the hmm. second ever Olympic Games, we do modern Olympic Games. We have Interesting. Uh, not only a female competitor, but a female winner. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. Um, I was going to look up like African-American, like all that kind of stuff. And I was like, wait, like literally these people are like actually coming from Africa to compete. So that like won't work yeah. the same way no, that it yeah. does <laughs> for other things. Um so, as you mentioned before, there's only been three Olympic Games in the modern, like, round that have ever been canceled, and that, those were in 1916, 1940, and 1944, and those are for the World Wars, you know, one and two. And something that a lot of people don't know, but this definitely, this whole Olympic deserves its own episode, and I'm going to toss that one to you, Kat, is that the torch relay, so the Olympic torch... Mm-hmm. Uh, was not an ancient tradition, and it was actually started in the 1936 Berlin Games huh. as uh, just another form of Nazi propaganda. Um, I'm writing it down right now. Hold yeah, on. so you should phone. do a whole episode on the 36 Games. It would be really, yeah, I was about to say, it would be really interesting to just learn about what effect Nazi... Because a lot of what we do now as, like, Olympic tradition was started in the 36 yeah. Games. Um, a lot more than we realized, too. Uh, but I, again, this is an overview. I didn't want to get into the specifics because that game specifically deserves its own. 36 was Jesse Owens, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh Um, so that deserves its own episode and that's why I'm tossing it to Kat because it has to do with Hitler. Um, I'm toxic. Uh, there's a couple sexual history things I want to toss to you. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, the Baron Coubertin 
chose the colors and the rings and the flag specifically because at least one of the colors appears in every national flag of every country in the world, which I did not know. Oh, yeah. The, so the five sense. rings, like at least one of them is in every flag. And I was like, that's really nice. It's like a very nice yeah. detail. Yeah. Wow, um, so considerate. Right. And so this is my last fun fact, but the youngest Olympian in the modern era is a, was a boy by the name of Demetrios Laundress from Greek who competed in the year 1896 at the age of guess, guess how young this boy was. Uh, 12. 10. Ah, yeah. That's too young. That's too I couldn't pressure. find what he did. I think it was like a race or something, but I, why are they letting 10 year olds in this game? I know that, like, the skateboarding people were, like, 13. I know. Like, but I was like, why are they letting 13-year-olds in this? Different times. I mean, they were badasses. I have mad respect for those skateboarders. Oh, no. But... Those skateboarders, I was like, okay, well, rollerblading a few weeks ago, I ate shit going over a crack in the sidewalk, so, yeah. like, congrats. Yeah, and I have have always dreamed about skateboarding, but never actually done it. So, mad props to them. However, why is there a 13-year-old in the literal Olympics? I think it's just that me projecting my failure onto I'm not projecting my failure. I'm like, can we at least have him be 16? Right. <laughs> like, I know. And you know why they're good at skateboarding is because they've got small little bodies and they can like flip up and around easier. That just seems like an unfair advantage. It's like mm-hmm. the gymnast. I think it might also be some talent in there. But I'm not saying they're untalented, cat. <laughs> Obviously, not every 13-year-old can just flip up around and on skateboard. It's an advantage. Oh, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Kind of like having like ballerinas who are naturally thin. Yes. Yes. Lighter body weight. They can flip around easier. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So the reason why I wanted to do the Olympics specifically for this episode is because something very cool is happening on the day that this is released, which is the Paralympics is starting. Yeah. Um, so on August 24th, when this episode comes out, the Paralympics will be having their open ceremony. And I think they run to September 6th. I could be wrong. It's about a week um, or maybe two weeks. It's about two weeks. So I wanted to give also just a brief little history on the Paralympics and how they kind of came around, which is also a much more cut and dry story than I kind of thought it was going to be too. Mm -hmm. So um, sports club. So I got all of this information off of the International Paralympic um, Committee's website on this. So I'm hoping that it's accurate on their own website. Um, So please correct me if I'm wrong. So sports clubs for athletes with various kinds of physical impairments have existed for some time now. The earliest we kind of know of officially was a sports club for the deaf dating back all the way to Berlin in 1888. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool. These organizations continued to gain in popularity among these communities soon. The medical world also kind of realized the significant sports could play in treating physical impairments. And the World Wars definitely had a big focus on this because all we ha- all of a sudden we had all these veterans that are injured. Yeah. And so they're physically impaired. Oh. Yeah. So they're using sports. And so sports became like this kind of big, like therapeutic treatment for this. I did know and that, so, but I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. Again, Kat didn't put two and two together. <laughs> so there's a British physician by the name of Sir Ludwig Gutman, which I thought was the fun name for my guy. Gutman? Um, I love it. Gutman. G-U-T-T-M-A-N-N. And he was kind of this pioneer in this field after World War II of the benefits of sports in treating injuries and other physical impairments of any kind. He specifically was... Um, uh, doing research or interested in spinal injuries after world war ii he was asked to open a treatment center for veterans to receive sports slash activity-based treatment 
Um, and so he worked with a lot of veterans and he kind of realized like, this is good for people to yeah. like get their bodies moving. You know, they might be in a wheelchair, but at least they're moving around. And, well, like, and they, they still do a lot of research on just the benefits of uh-huh. like hospital patients being allowed to go outside. And yeah, because if you're like sedentary, oh, say, like, healthy. yeah, so you broke your back and like you just being forced to lay in your bed. Yeah. Your mental state is going to go down. Yeah. Yeah, like, your health is going to suffer because you're not, like, well, and, like, you know. The house I work at, the sanatorium that used to be in there, the pictures I look at sometimes, tons of women got, you know, relegated to asylums and sanatoriums because yeah. it was just, like, diagnosed with hysteria. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what I saw was, like, treatment of anxious and nervous people. And it really, a lot of it's them sitting outside yeah. or playing croquet or just going on a walk. And it's, like, yeah, it's incredibly beneficial to just get uh-huh. a change of scenery sometimes and your mental health, it can also reflect on your physical health. Because sometimes yeah. it's easier to motivate yourself to, like, like, we were talking about, like, I've got, I've got a chronic condition. Well, not, I've got issues yeah. with my joints. And there are days when, like, you, I, it hurts so bad to just get out of bed. But it helps to be like, oh, I'm going to record today. Or I'm going to have this cool mm-hmm. project today. Like, to have a motivation to get up and just, like, yeah. go do something. And when, like, you know, it's 1946 and you just fought for your country against the Nazis. Yeah. And, like, now you're refined or confined to a re- wheelchair. And, like, that's a huge life shift. Like, yeah, you're going to be kind of depressed. Like, there's a lot. Ha- you there's got PTSD. Period, yeah. Your body's different. Like at, at that point, they weren't even diagnosing. They were uh-huh. using shell shock uh-huh. still. At, uh-huh. Well, after that, that's more of a First World War problem. But, but like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, the understanding of mental health and everything, I'm sure it was incredibly beneficial just to have someone mm-hmm. that was like, hey, being physically active can help your outlook yeah. on life and your overall optimism. Yeah. And let me tell you, this Dr. Gutman guy, he was like, no, this is great for people. So in 1848, so only four years after he's asked to, com- to kind of um open this treatment center the sports-based treatment center he was determined to kind of get he saw i think he just did the same thing he saw the olympics and was like i can do that for my patients yeah and so in 1848 or 1948 he had the first unofficial slash i'm gonna call it official because it's like part of the history of these paralympic games which he called the stoke mandeville games and he did this on the same day of the open cer- opening ceremony for the London 1948 Olympics. Oh. So he definitely was like, this is That's the same. Yeah. These people are going to have, they're going to play these Olympic games too. And they're going to be right uh, and involved. And again, this guy's based out of Britain. So like it's all this Olympic stuff is happening uh-huh. there. And he's like, I'm going to have this games too. So this game was a competition between 16 wheelchair bound servicemen who competed in an archery competition. So that was the first one. Um, four years later, and the a group of injured Dutch servicemen joined kind of the little gang, and together they founded the International Stoke Mandeville Games. So they're still using that Stoke Mandeville name. Um, they haven't transitioned to Paralympics yet, mm-hmm. but they're kind of like, no, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this every four years, um, and it's going to be basically like a side to the olympics and and by 1960 so just i think two games later they officially formed the paralympic committee um actually no they don't form the paralympic committees until i think 18 or 1989 but they officially start the paralympics and they competed in rome with 400 athletes in 1960 from 23 countries and these games continued to be held every four years alongside the Olympics in nine, eight, in 1976, the first Paralympic Winter Games were held in Sweden, and the Summer Games 
in 18 or god i'm so bad with mixing this up 1988 Mm -hmm. and 1992 after those two games there was an agreement between the international olympics committee and the international paralympics committee that allowed the paralympics to use the internet the facilities created for the actual olympic games um so they they have this partnership and every four years the uh, there are the Paralympic Games right alongside with um, the Olympic Games. And you can kind of go on their website to see like a more detailed kind of breakdown of like when a lot of different groups for different types of dis- disabled people um, joined the game or joined part of these games. For example, in 1964, the International Sport Organization for the Disabled, ISOD, um, offered opportunities to those athletes who cannot affiliate with the international Stoke Manville games. So the f- original ones were just kind of like physical injuries, but this is when we have people who have like vision impairment, amputees, people with cerebral, okay, yeah. cerebral pro- palsy and paraplegics were kind of mm-hmm. brought into those games as well. Um, and so you can kind of get a breakdown on like when specifically a lot of these groups joined in and kind of created what, the Paralympics are today if you're interested in a more like step-by-step breakdown they had it pretty good and you can just like google history of the Paralympics and um mm-hmm. it'll be like the first website on that I'm really and interested. they were a good source and they had like little youtube videos and I was like wow this oh, is wow. nice um but yeah the Paralympics are going to be in Tokyo this year uh just like the Olympics were and they start on the day that this is released so if mm. you're interested in that be sure to tune in and yeah. that is my history overview of the Olympics that was great. I learned a lot, actually, because... Okay, I was, good. Because like, no, I was like, is this enough? <laughs> no, no, no. I genuinely just don't have a concept of the Olympics other than, like, the ice skater's amazing and um, Simone Biles is just a queen. Well, yeah. yeah. She's from Houston, so got it. Mad respect. But yeah, no, it's so nice to actually, like, know origins and stuff like oh, that. Oh, good. I'm so, glad. So, yeah, I'm going to definitely have to do one over the Munich Olympics. I actually might have it on my list. Is it things. Munich? Did I say Berlin? Oops. Oh, no, it might be Berlin. Sorry. Wait, hold I don't on. know. Wait, we got to clarify that now. I think it might be... Oh, that sounds right. My gut, my mouth literally just said Munich on instinct, so I could be wrong. Ba, 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 ba. That Berlin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. sorry. My my gut literally just, for some reason, told me Munich, and I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. I'll... I'll add that one to the list soon to be. Yeah, that'll be a really good episode, I think. I have one for next week that I'm really excited to do. I so. forget what I'm doing next week, so... <laughs> I guess I'll figure it out next week. It's on the list. It's on the list, yeah. I notice. I have determined it in the past. I just need to refresh my memory. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. Wow, well, that was fantastic. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, yeah. Kat. Um, appreciate it. Yeah. I was feeling like maybe it wasn't a deep enough dive, but then I was like, I have several factors to talk about yeah here. yeah no. so completely um, i'm glad it ended up being a whole thing a good in one. the end well yeah. thank you so much well if you're still here uh thanks for learning with us thanks for learning with us that sounds like something i would do on a pbs so, like, show cheesy. i know but i always wanted I feel to have like a pbs the be- show the between the lions guy told that to me once a reading rainbow guy told but that, that made to me, me feel it makes me feel at peace like let me tell you have i ever told you my beef with reading rainbow yes okay well we don't need to rehash that <laughs> but um i just love the magic school bus a little too much <laughs> no i get that i also was an avid fan but um yeah so i know we did it before but we gotta plug it again our twitter is t-i-n-a-h-l podcast that's at T-I-N-A-H-L podcast. Mm-hmm. And follow us on there. If you have longer thoughts, 
be sure to shoot us an email at this is not a history lecture at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And please, 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 please remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Every review you leave convinces the Olympic Committee to host all of the Olympic Games in one spot again. <laughs> yeah. Every review is one vote for not bankrupting the whole world every yeah. four years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today, guys. We will talk to you again next Tuesday with some more cool topics. And this is a reminder that this has not been a history lecture. lecture. Bye. Bye.